I'd, I'd like to welcome everybody to our inaugural podcast here with the College Age Podcasts. Uh, this one that we're doing is just stories, and it's led by me, Josh Quaddy, the College Age Minister at College Heights, and we believe that everybody, every college student has a story that's worthy of being heard. So I'm really excited because our first time that we're going to do this, so I have a good friend of mine, Oji Ray Ray, who's coming on, and she'd just like to share her story with you guys. And uh, like I said, that's the podcast, and we'd like to do them as frequently as I can, maybe in as many as uh, one a week, where we just get to hear students' stories from Joplin, Missouri that are going to college here, and just kind of what's going on in their life, because we think those stories are worthy of being heard. So welcome to the podcast, Oji Ray Ray. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. You betcha. Okay, so <laughs> give us your full name. Okay, my name on the birth certificate is Ibukunala Morojirere Jesu. Rebecca Shanakan. Okay, so that's obviously unique for most of us here in Joplin, Missouri. So tell us about that. Yes, so my name is um, Nigerian. And so um, I am a first-generation American. Both my parents um, came here from Nigeria. And each, uh, each name that I have is given has been given to me by um, a family member. So my first name is my grandfather, paternal. Um, and then my Second name is my parents, and then my third name is my grandmother, maternal. <laughs> That's so awesome. So it's, yeah, lots of parts. And you like, you prefer going by Oji Ray Ray, but everybody calls you Ray. Yes. But you're okay with that too. Yes. Oji Ray Ray is the name on my school transcripts. And then, you know, in introducing myself to people, I just, it's sometimes easier to go with Ray instead of repeating my name seven times. <laughs> <laughs> I can understand. Uh, well, not to that degree, but everybody calls me Quaid. Quaid. Yeah, so, but... Josh Quaid. Yeah. But I figured a way past that. You know what I say? What? Looks like Quaid rhymes with potty. Oh, so Josh that, that has a nice little ring to it. I mean, a little <laughs> self-depreciating, but you gotta do what you gotta do. It's the easiest way of having them get it to say it right. They'll be like, ha, 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 potty, quaddy, yeah. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah, good. yeah, yeah, yeah. I might have got it from the bullies on the playground when I was in first grade. You just turned it into something positive. There you go. <laughs> Okay, so so obviously you said first generation American. Yes. Okay, so tell us about how your family and how you got to America. So um, my father is from Nigeria. Both of his parents are Nigerian. Um, he specifically Joss, which is a small um, a small town in Nigeria. Um, and then my mom is um, her mother is of Trinidadian descent, and my and her father is Nigerian. Um, she grew up in Nigeria, though, so she is kind of like, she's half Trinidadian, half Nigerian, and my dad is full Nigerian. So, so you're even a quarter Trinidadian. Yes, yes. Cool. So, yeah. Um, and then they met in, I don't even know what year they met, but they um, decided to come here in 1996 with okay. my mom um, pursuing a doctorate. Doctorate? Is that what you call it? Yeah. yeah PhD, right? PhD, yeah. Yeah. Um, in Indi at University of Indiana, and that is where me and my siblings were born in Indiana. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. And and how much of your culture did you get to like? Were you raised with like your parents' culture? How much did they bring in? I mean, the language, the food, the music, the mm -hmm. the, the the connections. Mm -hmm. So you know, they came here just the two of them. You know, like they didn't have anything uh, except for each other. So um, growing up, they pretty much depended on like the people around them. Um, the church that they went to was integral in their um, survival. 
um, initially. So we didn't really have very many Nigerian, like there, there was one or two Nigerian families around us in um, Indiana, but um, it was pretty much just them. Like that was, that was our source for, um, you know, our roots. So, um, you know, my mom, she's an ethnomusicologist, so she is big into music. Okay. Now, wait, a what? <laughs> I just said that like it was like, yeah, like a it was common no thing. Deal. It's really, it's um, the study of culture and um, how music affects that music and culture. And it's like a blend. And it's very, it's a very um, niche section of mm-hmm. um, music study. But yeah, it's been in my life, my whole life. So it's just like, it just is what for it you, is. For you, it's normal, yeah. Yeah, but for other people, they're like, huh? So <laughs> that's funny that you stopped me like that. Um, yeah. But yeah, so she's always been big into music. So I'd say like music is probably one of the biggest draws for me when I um, identify as a Nigerian. Um, and then, you know, just like phoning home. Um, my dad would always call his dad. Um, and that's like how we would communicate, obviously, mm-hmm. through phone. Um, so just I, I would say it's, it's hard to say that I am Nigerian. You know, I've never been there um, yet. So... I would say I've always just, it's hard to find a balance between being Nigerian and American. How much am I American? How much am I Nigerian? Hmm. But um, there's a growing uh, demographic of people, I think, in the U.S., Hmm. um, like first gens that are like Nigerian-American. And it's, yeah, it's nice to be able to identify as that instead of one or the other. Yeah. Plus there's... If I remember correctly, there's a lot of tribes in Nigeria. So yes. it's not even just being Nigerian. Mm-hmm. It's what tribe are your parents from. Exactly. And and it's even a deeper connection. Mm-hmm. Because doesn't each tribe have its own language? Too? Yes. So my dad is Yoruba and my mom um, is half Igbo. Okay. So that in itself um, is pretty um, taboo. Like it hmm. was not very common for people of different um tribes like or you know like ethnic groups mm-hmm. to get together like that um so but like i said um my dad is full full mm-hmm. nigerian and had more of a um connection to that part of him so um he is your bathroom and through he speaks it um and um he also speaks hausa which is not his ethnic group but he's just like trilingual just like that yeah, just like that. Um, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> like all Americans, I got my mandatory two years of Spanish and in high school. And that was it. <laughs> and that's exactly. it. And I don't remember most of it. Yeah. And um, and my mom, she was raised by her mom, who is Trinidadian. So she speaks English, and um, that's pretty much it. Just because, you know, she grew up as a Nigerian, or a Trinidadian Nigerian, you know, just mm-hmm. a... Um, so, yeah. Yeah. And so you guys, so you moved to the States, you were born in the States, Mm -hmm. and you guys lived in Chicago while your mom was finishing her PhD work? No, so she finished her PhD in Indiana. Okay, in Indiana, okay. Yes, so she finished there. We were, all three of us were born in, like, before she graduated. Okay. So she started it and finished it. When she started, she was not a mother. When she finished, she was a mother of three. Okay, you know that's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. Finishing your PhD work by while having three children. Yeah. Yeah, that's something. Pretty crazy. Yeah. Mhm. She's awesome. But um then we moved to Chicago after she graduated um and got her PhD um and then she got a job at Columbia College Chicago 
um, which is downtown Chicago. And we lived in like the uh, suburbs of Chicago. So initially it was uh, Skokie, which is a little bit further from the city, but um, not as nice. And then my parents were looking for a really nice school district. So they moved us to Naperville, which okay. is... Oh, yeah. yeah. Naperville's... Naperville, Illinois. Okay. Yeah, it has its its own little identity. Yeah. So how was that? Um, I remember uh, moving to Naperville and thinking, oh, my gosh, this is awesome. It's, it has everything. Like, it's a big difference from Bloomington, Indiana. Um, Naperville was cool. Uh, it was a great childhood. I really can't complain. Um, just me and my siblings were able to do a lot of the things that a lot of kids in Chicago cannot do. So... Um, I'm grateful that our parents um, looked out for an education system like that. Um, but, you know, being in such a wealthy uh, area, you know, comes with its own um, advantages and disadvantages. Like, you know, we were able to benefit from the quality education system, but, you know, the people sometimes weren't as kind as you'd expect them to be. <laughs> Um, and you know, kids are kids. Yeah. So yeah. it's just, we were different, um, different from the, the, our classmates. And, and, and yeah. so what were some of the things that made you different? Um, first of all, we were not white. Um, okay. and our, um, school district was predominantly white. I remember being probably like the only black girl in my um, first grade class, second grade class, not until like third grade that I had somebody who was like, look like me. Wow. So yeah, <laughs> it, I was very aware of who I was and what I looked like mm -hmm. at a very young age. Um, mm -hmm. I'd say like my consciousness was like aware of my blackness, mm -hmm. like as early as like second grade, okay. maybe first grade. I don't know. But, um, like I wouldn't, I know how, I I would know how I looked to people, mm -hmm. and um, just try to adjust myself to how they would respond. Gotcha, gotcha. I'm sorry I had to do that. I mean, you know, little kids are little kids. You just want to <laughs> be a little kid. Yeah, I know. Yeah. You don't have to have that stuff going through the back of your mind. Yeah. Now I know because you know we're we're friends and we've talked about this kind of stuff, mm -hmm. and it, you taught me a lot about one of the ways that. Um, you felt like you really stood out mm -hmm. was your hair. Mm -hmm. Can you help me understand that again? Yeah. So um, I don't know if, so a lot of, I would say if you ask almost any black female on the street, her hair is one of the most important parts of her identity. And I don't want to just, you know, make a gen generalizing sweep, you know, sweeping generalization, but our hair is um, very important. Just like how you choose to style it. Um, stuff like that. But um, I remember I got dreadlocks. My, my parents gave me and my sister dreadlocks um, in second grade. I got them. And um, to this day, I think it was probably the best thing that they could have done for our hair at the time. Just um, because when you have dreadlocks, you can't do anything but dreadlocks, you know. Mm -hmm. You can't um, put chemicals in it to straighten it, you know. You can't do braids or anything like that. So um, it definitely made me different no nobody had dreadlocks uh when I had dreadlocks um so I think it made me feel um 
it made me feel, yeah, of course, different, but also uh, I just wanted that straight hair hmm. so bad. Hmm. And um, like I said, if, if I hadn't had them, if, I, if those weren't my safety, I would have, you know, straightened my hair. And, um, and that's fine. Like so many girls do that and it looks great. And yeah, more power to them. But um, for me... I think it would have made what I was going through worse at the mm. time um, because I would have just wanted to fit in mm-hmm. more. Um, I mean, obviously, I already wanted to fit in, but with a name like Ojirere and dreadlocks on my head, there was no way I was going to be like anybody else, you know? So I think maybe um, unintentionally, my parents kind of pushed me, um, pushed me towards, you know, that uniqueness that um, they've always talked about. And um, eventually I embraced it. But at the time, it was really hard to be that weird girl with the weird name who looks different mm-hmm. with dreadlocks. Mm-hmm. Nobody liked the girl with dreadlocks, you know what I mean? Not not like, you know, just like in terms of like crushes and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, I, no, you know, nobody was... <laughs> so I don't know. I just it was always um, like You're the loud class aware. clown. Yeah, yeah. So I just had to make sure that um, my actions spoke louder, I guess, than okay. what I felt people saw. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah. I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, no problem. And so did you stay in Naperville School District? Did you guys... So in sixth grade, um, sixth grade, yeah, my mom um, got a job in, um, in Columbia, Missouri, at mm-hmm. the University of Missouri, um, which was devastating (laughs) for us at the time. Just uh, anybody who's not in Missouri or close to it um, probably sees it as some weird... I mean, I know I saw it as some weird, (laughs) weird, like, run-down place. But, yeah, so for us, coming from Chicago to Columbia, it was... We thought we were never going to see the light of day again. (laughs) But everybody wants to live in Missouri. Of course. Every college student, Joplin, Missouri, knew exactly where (laughs) it was. Where they wanted to be. (laughs) Always made it their dream to come here. Mm Missouri is the dream destination. (laughs) Yeah. So then you moved Mm -hmm. in sixth grade. Yeah, so we moved. So my first year in Missouri and Columbia was seventh grade, which, Mm. you know, I don't know. Everybody knows that. Middle school is whew, rough. Yeah. And so being that new kid that looks weird. Hmm. Well, not even looks weird because um, I didn't look weird, you know, just sure. different. Different, yeah. Um, that was that was a battle. Yeah. yeah. Now, the school district that you moved to in Columbia, were you as much of a minority as you were in Naperville? No. So there were more black kids in Missouri, in Columbia, Um than there were in Naperville, which okay. was great, right? But um, yeah. but I was different, again, mm. with the black kids. You know, I thought that being, um, being around more people that looked like me would, um, like, I would just be able to be the one that fit in the mm. same way that I've wanted to the whole time, you know? Like, maybe color was the, was the thing that was tripping me up, but... Mm. Um, Again, it was really hard for me to um, identify with them, mm-hmm. like with the African-American kids in my class. Um, just, I just felt different again. And 
Um, I'd say they they um, made me feel more different as well, just because they would be like, "What's like, what kind of name is that?" You know, like yeah. I just remember so many people being like, "What? Like, yeah. why is your name that?" Like, first of all, I can't pick my name, okay, sure. and second of all, like, I don't know, you know, it's Nigerian yeah. and um, yeah, and Africans and Africans Americans um, have there's like kind of this ongoing thing of us versus them. And so me being American, Mm -hmm. but also being African, like it's like almost that perfect African-American, but almost not at all. Hmm. You know what I mean? I'm I'm listening. (laughs) I can't know if I totally know what you mean, (laughs) but I'm hearing what you say. Yeah. Yeah. Like in terms of the term African-American, that's me in every sense of the word. I'm African, I'm American, but the social definition of African-American, that's not me. You know what I mean? Okay. So, so they would just be like, you talk weird. Everybody would be like, and I didn't in, um, Naperville, I never really got that. But in Columbia, everybody was like, why do you talk white? You know? And Hmm. that, uh, that was really hard. Because I was like, I'm not. I'm. I look the same as I'm black, you know. Right. And just because I talk the way I talk doesn't mean that I'm trying to be anything that I'm not. I am who I am, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was it was difficult, and it wasn't just black kids. It wasn't just white kids. It was everybody. Mm-hmm. So it took me a while to find my my people that um, kind of accepted me for me. But when I did, it was great. <laughs> Good. Yeah. I'm glad you found those people. Yeah. <laughs> school, I know how hard school is for everybody when you're younger because you, you want to stand out, but you don't want to stand exactly. out at the same time. Exactly. It's like you want to be noticed, but you don't want to be too noticed. Mm-hmm. And then, and but what makes it so hard is oftentimes those things that make us notice are not us, are things that are outside of our control. Exactly. You can't like, pick what, no- yeah. what gets you noticed. Uh, like your background, mm-hmm. you know, or your hair. You mm-hmm. know, these were things that, you know. Out of my control, totally, yeah. Yeah. totally. So when did things start getting better? I mean, you said you made some friends, stuff like that. Was that in junior high or was it high um, school? I'd say, you know, it started looking up after seventh grade. Um, eighth grade was pretty good, you know, and just the familiarity, like mm-hmm. being around familiar people for like the next school year was also good. But high school is when I was, um, when I've actually felt better. Yeah. You know, just I was there. I'd been there. I was going into high school with the same people that I was in most of middle school with. Okay. Um, so that was, yeah, that's when things were better. Good. Slightly. Good. You made some good friends mm-hmm. who and accepted those, you for you. Yeah, for sure. And um, yeah, we stuck together for like all of high school and that was great. Having the right friends, I'd say, um, definitely saved me. Okay. And, mm-hmm. and I know you're track athlete at Moso. Mm-hmm. Okay. When did you start, you know, track? What, what extracurricular <laughs> activities you do in high school? Like, yeah. Um, I started running track in seventh grade, actually. Okay. Um, my dad would always take me and my siblings to like go run around just like to blow off steam. But mm-hmm. um, running was always like a very central part of our um, like family activities. <laughs> So um, it was my my sister and my brother loved like the long distance. I did not, but I liked <laughs> to run. But I hated track at first in seventh mm-hmm. grade. I just hated the pressure mm. of being uh, like everything's on you, you know. And yeah. I really enjoyed soccer. That was my choice sport. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but I just saw more potential for me in track. Mm -hmm. So eventually I got around to liking track. And so um, eighth grade, I joined the track team. That was good. In ninth grade, I had to choose between soccer and track. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm, Because they're in the same season, spring season. Gotcha. So ultimately I chose track again because I saw a better future, better potential for track. Um, And that's what I did all through high school. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. It was a great part of my experience in high school. Now, I was surprised whenever um, I got to know you um, because uh, I was familiar with something that happened in Columbia a few years ago mm-hmm. that, you know, maybe some people might remember, some other people don't. Mm-hmm. And your connection to it was really surprising to mm-hmm. me because I'd read a lot and I'd heard a lot and <laughs> I'd been pretty engaged with what happened. Right. And so there was some race riots that happened at Mizzou. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, I said my mom was the, she got a job at Mizzou, and she, and she was a professor. That's the job that she, she you know, um, professor both uh, at music studies in the music department and the African-American studies department, black studies department. Um, and the year that that happened mm-hmm. was the first year that she had been promoted to chair of the black studies department. So, um, she was kind of like the the figurehead. Mm-hmm. She was on the news. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember seeing, seeing reports with her talking. And yeah, like, that and was crazy. Like it was, I mean, it was down the road, but it was crazy. You know, yeah. like that everybody was watching it. Um, so, the students protested, and she uh, made it a point to you know be behind the students. You know, make it about them yeah. and. You know, when the football team got in on it, that's when it really took off. Yeah, and race rights probably didn't use the right term. But yeah, it was I wouldn't say. Protest. Yeah, it, wasn't it, was a, it was a protest. And Tell us how that kind of started. So um, black students felt like they weren't being recognized. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember during, I think it was a homecoming parade, um, that they took a stand. And um, the university's president, Tim Wolf, ignored them. Hmm. And that was the last straw. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, I remember one, one brave guy decided to go on a hunger strike mm-hmm. and, um, the football team got behind him mm-hmm. and that's why it got so much attention because mm-hmm. the football team said they were not playing. I mean, most of the black, the black, uh, players, mm-hmm. um, were the ones that said that. So they took a stand. They said they weren't playing and you know, football is a money sport. The university said, we need our money, and Tim Wolf stepped down. So, yeah, throughout that whole time, my mom, you know, just being on the news, she got, um, like, death threats and stuff like that, which was scary, really scary. But Because yeah. um, what year were you in high school at the time? I was a junior. And so, how, yeah, so you started talking about how that affected you. What are other ways that that... Yeah, so um, at the time I was in a club called Max Scholars, um, and it's minority achievement. And so um, we just, it's, like I said, it was down the road, but mm-hmm. it was like so far away. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But, you know, people would come up to me and be like, why is your mom like on the news? Like, and I would be like, it was like, I was my mom, but on my high school campus. You know what I mean? Oh, wow. Like people, like people would ask me what I thought about it. And it was almost like I was the, like. The spokesperson. Yeah, the spokesperson for everything. Yeah. Which, you know, I understood the issue, you know, and I had a great perspective on it and great source. So, 
like I understand and stuff like that. But it was a lot to be like in class. I remember one of my teachers asked me in front of the whole class about it. Hmm. And I was like, "Uh, I'm just trying to go to math, you know. There was one more time where you stood out for something that, that really I didn't, didn't want. have anything to yeah, do. Yeah, and and you know I'm so proud of my mom and she's amazing, but um, yeah, it was uh, unexpected, but you know builds character, mm-hmm. you know. So I'm glad I'm glad that happened. Um, it really made me uh, think about race hmm. a lot more than I'd wanted to, um, and just how. We relate to each other, mm-hmm. um, especially on a day-to-day basis, because um, a lot of people just didn't get it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter how much you explain it. They just don't get it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And I also know this, that you were a homecoming queen. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> yes, yes. I was I was hey. a homecoming queen my senior year. Hey. It was it was great. They announced it on the football uh the football field, you know, the homecoming game. And they it say was, your name right? They did. Yes. They did. It was Perfect. awesome. It was so exciting. One thing um, I remember, though, is, um, so, you know, there's homecoming court. So out of 10 girls, so the 10, 10 girls get voted to be on homecoming court, and then, um, you know, one wins, and then blah, blah, blah. Um, and I remember after, after I won, um, somebody told me that... Um, you know, I was the only black girl on the court because my school was predominantly white. And somebody said that the only reason I won is because the white vote was split up and the mm. black vote was not. So, so it almost robs you of what you had really actually yeah. earned on your own. Yeah. So it just felt like it cheapened it. Yeah. Yeah. It just felt like, wow, I'm not. Am I nothing if like, am I just black? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And. I don't know how true that is, but um, yeah, it it stung. It yeah. stung a bit, but um, that's something I'll always be proud of, regardless. Because oh, yeah. Um, yeah, it was well, great. Well, regardless of what a few dumb people said, the the journey that you were on mm-hmm. from being someone who didn't know where you fit in, mm-hmm. didn't know where you belonged, mm-hmm. all the way back in Chicago <laughs> to the point <laughs> where you're homecoming queen. With a good group of friends and confident in who you are. Yeah. That's a that's a cool journey that, yeah. that you gotta go on. That's true. My my seventh grade self would not have believed it. <laughs> <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so then why in the world, Missouri Southern? That- not that there's anything wrong with it. It's just like how did you end up here? I mean your mom was a professor uh-huh. you know, at Mizzou. Right. You know, and I obviously, you know, I thought, well, well you know, why don't you go to Mizzou? But you right. came down here. Yeah. Um my sister, she's a year older than me. Um she went to Mizzou, and so there was no reason not to go to Mizzou. You know, um, my track career was going pretty well. Um, I ended up winning state my sophomore year, um, so that gave me a lot of attention. From congratulations, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> no, from schools uh, like big schools, and you know that's that was always my goal. Um, but I also think that so I looked at. I looked at schools everywhere. You know, I looked in mostly D1 schools uh, like Illinois, University of, or Northern Illinois, um, Arkansas State, you know, stuff like that. Um, And I came here, Missouri Southern was my first official visit, which is when, you know, like the school pays for you to come down and visit. And um, 
I loved it. <laughs> and I was so indecisive for a long time. I was juggling these three or four schools. Um, and then one day I remember sitting in class and um, Missouri Southern was the only place I could see myself being. Hmm. I could not fathom anything else. So I came to Moso. Yeah. <laughs> and well, it's, yeah, I'm so glad I did. That's great. And um, so you're, you're on track team. Mm-hmm. And your specialty event is the... Long jump. Long jump. Yes, yes. Okay. And then you're also honors. Yes. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. what's your major? What are you studying there? So I'm studying computer information science. Okay. So, yeah. That sounds so much fun. It, oh, it sure <laughs> is. It sure is. Yeah. So what do you want to do with that? I'm not sure yet. But I, I uh, really like that the outlook on CIS is um, really positive. Um, and I really... And I know that there's a lot of things I can do with it. Mm-hmm. So, like, out of everything that I could have chosen, I think this one um, challenges me in mm-hmm. a way that I have not really been challenged uh, previously. And, yeah, I just can't really think of anything else that I'm even interested in. I just love to be um, – I love to learn new things, mm-hmm. as everybody says. <laughs> and I love to uh, be challenged. And that's another thing, you know – Uh, CIS is a predominantly male, uh, you know, department. So there I am again, putting myself where I didn't think I would want to, but I love it. And so, so you're a full-time student Mm -hmm. in the honors program Mm -hmm. and you're on the track team. Yes, sir. Which is also has a year round you know, I think like <laughs> yeah. a month off in the summertime, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But besides that, your training, you know, mm-hmm. how, how do you put all that together? That's a great question. Um, I think anybody that's um, a student athlete will uh, agree with me when I say, like, it's literally just, you just do it, you know? Um, being in track, especially with two seasons, indoor, outdoor, as well as a preseason, which is right around now. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to want to do it. There is no way that you would get through even one of the seasons if you weren't here to do track and you wanted to do track. Mm-hmm. You know, track is a hard sport. Um, it doesn't matter which event, it's hard. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to want success for yourself in order to put yourself through all that you have to go through mm-hmm. to for track. So... Um, even if you're not as successful as you want to be, um, that like fire and, you know, I've seen people with a lot of success, not have that fire and people with not a lot of success have fire. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's about the passion and the tenacity. So yeah, when, when you want it, you'll make room for it. One of the things that I find so unique uh, about track is how much it really is an individual sport. Mm Mm-hmm. Even though a couple times a year you score points as a team mm-hmm. and you know, you're trying to right. make your team accomplish, you're, you're competing against yourself every time. Yeah. And how hard it is when you get in your own head. Oh, yeah. Oof. Or you get into some bad rhythms. Right. You know, mm-hmm. or you're fighting against yourself. Mm-hmm. And you were the only girl that was a jumper last year. So you had to train with yourself and not, you know, I mean, of course, your coach was there and right, right. some of the other guys, but you didn't have that other people just to push you around right yeah um it's really easy to get in your own head and try to compete with former versions of yourself like i'm still competing with um 
myself when I was 15, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's really hard not to like dog on yourself. And, um, you know, training with myself built a lot of character. Um, I got to know myself a lot more. Um, I love my, I love my team. I love the girls team. I love the boys team. Um, but being by yourself, um, just like on a day to day basis, day after day, um, it's hard not, I got in a spot where I would just, it's really hard not to like hate yourself for Mm -hmm. like not doing what you want, what you know you can do. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, um, when you're with other people, it kind of diffuses it. But -hmm. when you're by yourself, it's all there. Um, so yeah, just learning to trust myself and learning that mental toughness is what it's going to take to get where I need to go. Um, you can be as fit as you want to be, but if you're not there mentally, nothing else is. Mm -hmm. So that's what I've been working on Mm -hmm. that mental toughness. So, yeah. You know, yeah, also being an honor student. <laughs> yeah, that's fun. <laughs> and having a personal life. And yeah. All oh, yeah. Now, uh, earlier you mentioned, you know, like the church was really pivotal in your parents when mm-hmm. they first moved to the States and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, what role does faith play in your life now? Yeah, so I grew up in, um, like, the Chicago area, and we went to a black mega church um, called Living Word Christian Center. So, you know, growing up around, like, the gospel church was amazing, you know, very important to my, like, growth as a Christian. Um, Coming to college is very interesting because, like, when you're living at home, you go to church because your parents say go to church. Mm -hmm. They're like, okay, it's Sunday, so church. In college, Sunday could just be your nap day, Mm -hmm. easy peasy. So going to church as a college student, it's intentional. Mm -hmm. You want to be there. And I, uh, honestly, I was kind of churched out, you know, by the time I got to college. But um, when I came to College Heights, I just didn't stop, you know? Like, it just felt like it was where I was supposed to be. Because it felt like your home church. <laughs> yeah, it's big. It's big, and yeah, it has nice not, music. But it's not gospel music. <laughs> but it's not gospel music. <laughs> no. But that's totally fine, because it's, I mean, that's not what it's about at the end of the day, you know? Yeah. Um, Choosing, yeah, choosing to come to church as a college student, yeah, because it's so easy not to. Yeah. So, yeah. And so what's next for you? You know, I mean, it's your junior year? Yes, junior year. What? Man, that's a great question. What is next for me? Um, I would love to uh, do what I want to do on the track. I think, um, I think fulfilling my expectations for myself would be great my mm-hmm. goals not mm-hmm. expectations goals mm-hmm. um and then to graduate uh in a good spot um honestly I don't know I'm really just taking it one day at a time I'm not really one of those people that has like a five-year plan mm-hmm. but I know that um God's got me everything's gonna work out as long as I keep working hard I think I think I have good things in store. Um, so, yeah, I'm I'm just taking it day by day. Life's too short to worry about uh, where I'm going to be in eight years or nine <laughs> years or anything like that. But, yeah. <laughs> and I also know big party, you've got some great friends mm-hmm. that you got tight with pretty early on. And, mm-hmm. and that's a pretty cool experience for you, too, because 
you know, you had the season where you felt alone. Do you, so now you come to college, some of those things that you had when you were younger, do mm-hmm. you feel like it's shifted? Do you feel like you're such a minority still? Do you, are you still aware? Do you have friends who understand you and accept you for who you are? Oh, man, that's that's a really... I haven't even thought about um, how, how my uh, perception of myself has changed oh. since I was younger, but I don't even... I'm not even worried about how others perceive me anymore. I'm just me. Like, I'm just take it or leave, like, take it or leave it. And, um, having my friends, like shout out jazz, Ashlyn, my girls, <laughs> and obviously like my track team, like that's so important. Like we are, we just are, we don't have to worry about you're white, you're black, you're fast, you're slow. Like n- there's nothing that really, uh, we just are friends and we are just who we are and we just live and grow together. And that's like, honestly, anything I ever wanted when I was younger. Like, yeah, I was so worried about how people would see me. And I swear, I don't, I don't even, I don't even worry about any of that anymore. Really. Hmm. I just am. I mean, that, that's, that's really great. It's, <laughs> I think that's a testimony to your strength. I think it's a testimony to the way that you were raised yeah. by your parents mm-hmm. and the values that they instilled in you and, embracing your heritage Mm -hmm. embracing your race and not being ashamed of it even in places where (laughs) there's nobody else like you yeah yeah and like i remember when i said missouri southern you know everybody's like southern you know you know how that is but uh, i think it's awesome Hmm. i love being here i'm so glad i i'm so glad i made the decision to come here like Hmm. honestly um i can't imagine being anywhere else right now that's awesome. <laughs> well, Ray, I really appreciate you sharing your story with us and kind of being the first one and, uh, and being so honest, being so vulnerable about some really difficult things in your life because I know uh, you're not alone. Yeah. And that there's tons of people that might not be able to relate to the entirety of your story, but there's bits and pieces of your story that somebody can resonate with. Even if they come from a different background, have different experiences, we all know what it's like to feel like on the outside. Mm-hmm. Or to have things that stand out that make us wonder, do we really fit here? Yeah. And like I said, your strength to be able to go, okay, well, this is me. Mm-hmm. And this is just what it is. So yeah. thank you so much uh, for sharing your story. No problem. Thanks for having me. This is awesome. Okay. Can't wait. <laughs> All right. And we will continue to do uh, these podcasts throughout the semester. And if you'd like to share your story, uh, we would love to have that. You can email me at jquadi, J-Q-U-A-D-E, at chjoplin.org. Thanks, and we look forward to hearing from our next student next week. <laughs>